Hey, welcome out to the Grace Ops Podcast. It's an honor to be here with you today. We got so many exciting things going on in the culture that we're creating. God is literally opening doors all across the country. It's really a powerful time. I mean, there's a lot of stress in our country, a lot of stress in our culture. And it's kind of funny. I brought this up in the past episodes. Like, God, did we miss the timing? Is it too late? Should we even do Grace Ops? And God was like, no, you need to get up. You need to get busy. You need to get to work. You need to do this. It's perfectly on time. It's in the heart of God to encourage the men, the masculine across this country to actually empower them and resource them and equip them to live upright. We all want to deep down. I mean, especially men of God, right? We all want to go after the heart of God. But Grace Ops is a band of brothers being trained by grace to conquer darkness and empower men to live upright. So we aim to reach the man and we're going to we're going to eventually reach the whole family. It's going to be a powerful time. Thanks for being part of our culture. It's an honor to have you today on the show. Today, we're actually going to be talking about the war of fathering, the war of fathering. I have a great guest that's going to be with me in a moment, Russ Klein, who is a very powerful man of God, prophetic leader in the nations. And the war of fathering is our way of saying men engage the battle. We're not saying every dad out there is bad or everybody's missed it. There's plenty of amazing fathers in the world. But what we're saying is we do live in an ep- epidemic of fatherlessness. And Grace Ops wants to champion men to be powerful fathers. So we want to talk about this today to encourage you and to help you kind of engage your heart in the power of what it means to actually be a father. There's a verse, uh, Jesus in Hebrews, it actually talks about Jesus. And it says how he brought many sons to glory. And I just think about the the love he had for God and how he was bringing sons and daughters to the father just a powerful thing. No one's perfect, but we must engage this battle. We must allow grace to train us in this area because the voice of a father can literally change nations. I mean, fathers play such a powerful role. And so I want to get right into introducing our guest, Russ Klein. I've known him for over 20 years now, 20, 25 years. It's been a long time, Russ. Welcome to the episode today. Um, why don't you introduce yourself, tell us about yourself, and we're going to tackle this topic together. Sounds good, Brian. I appreciate it. I'm honored to be with you uh, today on the bo- uh, the uh, podcast here. Um, as far as uh, who we are, so uh, my wife and I have been married for 37 years. Kim and I have been. We met in Bible College out in Springfield, Missouri, and graduated then in 1986. We started traveling to the nations, so we've been 35 years now traveling to the nations, by the grace of God, we've gone to six continents and over 40 nations uh, sharing the word of the Lord. And uh, it's been an adventure. It's been an exciting adventure to watch God move all over the world. Of course, it was during some of that time that you and I met and, and Christy and our wives met and doing ministry together in different parts of the world. And um, so I've been a husband for 37 years. I've been a father now mm-hmm. for, for 19 years. We have a daughter, Shekinah. After 17 years of not being able to have children, uh, God gave us a blessing of a child. And so Shekinah has been all over the world with us, ministering in the power of God. And um, that's who I am. I'm 58 years old. We live out in Hampton, Virginia, and uh, got a chance to be with Brian and Christy in person a couple, three weeks ago. So it was good to catch up again when we were allowed to be together and and. Uh, see each other's faces without masks and all that good stuff. So uh, anyway, it's good being with you. I, I'm thrilled with what uh, you all are doing, the church, but also Grace Ops. I love the heart you guys have for men, not only to um, reach men, not only to help men live victorious lives, 
But what I love is to help envision and empower men because sometimes men can be an afterthought in the church world. And it's almost like so much is either focus on, okay, let's just, you know, have a manly good time and, you know, eat steak and barbecue and all that. And that's great. But I love the fact that you guys are reaching out to men to let them know they can live victorious in Christ. But not only that, because it's not just say quit sinning. It's all to say, also to say you have a purpose, you have a destiny, you have an identity in Christ and to cause men to arise. And so I'm thrilled to partner with you in whatever way we can with Grace Ops and that vision for the men of God to arise in this hour. And I agree with you that it is the right time. You know, in a lot of ways, men have been so uh, devalued in our culture over the last generation from, you know, comedies on TV that would have the bumbling father, the idiot father, uh, the man that couldn't do anything and only the woman could come along and rescue him. We're all grateful for our wives, our mothers, yeah. the godly women in our lives. But so much of culture had been pushed into that. And now we have the whole toxic masculinity idea, the idea that we have to apologize for being men, for being male. <laughs> and you know what? God made them male and female and if God made me a male, then I'm not going to apologize for that. I want to be the best man that I can be for the, the sake and the glory of his name. Yeah. And I think I'll just dive into a question here. Um, what is the purpose of a man? What, what's, what, what is the power of a father? I mean, I think if we start there, we can, we can start to see why yeah. it's under such attack, you know, because of the role of a man. Yeah. I think there's so many different variables in that. But as far as the identity of a father and the need for fathers, we understand that our God is one God in three persons. He's father, he's son, and he's spirit. Um, and Jesus, we know this, the Holy Spirit comes to reveal Jesus. Jesus, though, said he came to reveal the father. And so the whole mission of Jesus, yes, was to, to die for our sin, to rise from the dead, but it was to bring, like you said earlier, to bring many sons into glory. It was to reveal the father heart of God. And so if God began as a father, he created mankind, created man and woman to be sons and daughters. In fact, in Psalm 2, uh, it talks about how the father and the son in time immemorial uh, the father was speaking to the son and said, today you become my son. And so the the um, image, the identity, the, uh, the expression of God is initially as father. Before he created the church, he created a family. Yeah. And so awesome. he is father. And so I think that if God is father, and that was the initial expression, father creator, that God is wanting to express that. Um, in powerful ways today. And because that is the expression of who God is, Satan wants to destroy any image of godly fathering. And let's face it, whether we like it or not, our natural fathers and father figures in our lives naturally will be a reflection of how we see God. Yeah. Typically, however we see the father figures in our life is how we will end up viewing God. And so Satan wants to pervert that and destroy that if he can, so that we don't have any trust in Father God. So I think that's part of where we begin with it. Yeah, and I think in my my life, my experience, so I came into the church when I was around 17 years old. I had visited a church when I was in my childhood, but I became really 
born again and really pursuing Christ when I was 17 or so. And so I, I kind of experienced the church from a different perspective. I wasn't raised in church every Sunday. And the, the role of fathers to me, what I've learned over the last couple decades is that fathers play a huge role. Um, like the generic stuff that applies to all of us. So we all, and we all got to do it really well is we got to provide for our families. We got to protect our families. We, uh, but the voice of a father, the, the stance of a father, the posture of a father's heart, like speaks volumes into a child's heart when it comes to like identity, you know, mother's nurture, but so father's nurture as well. You know, I, I nurture my children in confidence. I nurture them in their role and in their assignment in, when we were in an epidemic, you know, historically where the enemy has attacked the role of a father, the heart of a father to scourge the men, you know, if you can take the man, you can take the nation. I mean, that's just easy. True. Women all due respect. I love women, but all the women in this country aren't going to defend us from an enemy attack. Right. <laughs> right. The men are supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. You know? So yeah. Talk about that. Like what's the power of the father's voice? Um, I believe this. The father speaks affirmation. Um, I think, and I love the way that I've watched Kim, my wife, nurture and love and build up and confidence and faith our daughter Shekinah and spiritual sons and daughters that God has allowed us to touch in different parts of the world. But there's something about the voice of the father. Um, you know, think about when your children are little. Um, they will come in and they will, they want daddy to see the, their latest art project. They want daddy to see their acrobatic skill. They want daddy to see uh, the song they made up, the dance they made up. If they're, you know, uh, you know, children that are given to that, they want to see, they want daddy to see them playing sports. There's something about the affirmation of a father that is born into us that we need and we want. And so I believe that when we can affirm our children, when we can affirm the spiritual sons and daughters that God allows us to impact, it's going to let people know that God, the father, is affirming them. Now, we understand that as a father, affirming our child is not saying you're okay in your sin. It is affirming their personhood, their identity, not necessarily their behavior. And so Father God, through Jesus Christ, he affirms me. He loves me. He accepts me. He celebrates me, but he also, I've heard it put this way, he loves me just like I am, but he loves me too much to leave me like I am. Yeah. And part of that is, yes, it's both male and female, mom and dad, but part of the, the role of the father is without destroying the personhood, the identity, the value of the child is to help bring correction. I know one time years ago, Shekinah and I were taking a walk at the park here. We got talking about the differences between fathers and mothers and how we operate different in our lives. And so I said, you know, um, if a child falls down, skins their knee, many times mom is the one that, oh, it's okay, sweetie, and put a Band-Aid on and all of that. (laughs) Dads will do that too, but we typically will say, now, you know, walk it off, run it off. You know, we're the ones that are pushing our, our children in a positive way to be more than they have been, to become all that God has purposed them to be. 
you know, Shekana and I love to, uh, you know, we, we do zip lining together, hatchet throwing together. We do all those kinds of things. I, you know, I'm going to try to take Shekinah out to the shooting range sometime. Those sure. are probably not things that my wife, Kim, is Don't going to do. Bullets, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so um, I think the role of the father's affirmation, but I also think that it is identification is to help uh, our children and to help those who we get to pour into to have an identity not based in being a copy of the father. When Shekinah was little, people would say, oh, Shekinah, you look just like your dad. And I thought, I, I never, I don't think I'll make a pretty girl. Um, <laughs> and, but you know what? She was beautiful. She was feminine, but she had more of my characteristics facially. As she got older, she started looking more and more like Kim. And now she's a good you know, mixture of all that. We want our children to have um, reflection of who we are, who our, our wives are, but ultimately of who God has made them to be. So I see fathers in, in affirmation, identification. We can look at a lot of different things, but those are two of the key roles, I believe, that the voice of the father can bring, not only to our children, but in the church world. And then from there into our nation, into our culture, because like you said earlier, we are in an epidemic of fatherlessness in our culture, in our nation today. Yeah, and that, that epidemic is actually, <clears throat> I mean, it's wreaking havoc on mm -hmm. our society in ways that we probably don't even know how to measure. Yeah. The, 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 you know, I look at, I don't know, it's, it's, it's really sad because, you know, my parents did the best they could do. They're still married. They raised me the best way they could. I, I honor my parents for what they gave me. I really appreciate them and love them. And I'm, I'm thankful that they, they were able to do the best they could, but I can't even imagine being raised without a father. Like yeah. and that's the reality of a lot of the world. It, it really is. They're being raised by mom. They're, you know, and that's cool. Moms. There's a lot of great moms out there doing single mom right. work. And there's a lot of great dads out there doing single dad work. That's right. There's such an attack on the family. I mean, why can't we all just get along? You know, the divorce rates and uh, just yeah. childbearing. It's just the world is crazy right now. Well, it's I think really we have crazy. this idea, um, you know, sometimes there's a romanticized love. You know, we all love romantic love, the feelings when we fall in love. We also understand that uh, when the emotion lifts for the moment. It's not that we can't recapture and have times of that romantic. And I'm not talking about physical sexual right now. I'm talking about the feeling, the romance. Uh, we can have that in our marriages and need to engender that. But we understand commitment is not based on the feeling of the moment. And whether it's women, and there's been a, a greater increase of women leaving marriages over physical, over different things. But some of it is that. Um, that that fairy tale expectation that entertainment has uh, caused people to believe that it's always going to be the the fireworks romance um, and there's commitment to it. There's work that yeah. goes into being a husband and being a father, being a mother, being a wife. Um, then you know, for men and women, but I think especially for men, um, we wanted the the fun without the fathering. <laughs> we wanted the thrill without the follow through. We yeah. wanted the passion without the parenting. We wanted sex without stability, you know. And so, and so much of that has been engendered into us by uh, media, by culture, uh, and now education. 
you know, Satan has so overtaken our cultural systems, the entertainment systems, the educational systems, the political systems now that you are not even allowed to question those that just want the thrill of the moment. And so, um, and we all understand this, being a man is not the ability to uh, be a sperm donor and have a child. Right. <laughs> That's not what being a man is. Being a man is you're going to stick around. You're going to make a commitment. And, and we look at how, how yeah. God does with us. He gave his son. He is passionate about us. You know, scripture says that God rejoices over us with singing. You probably know this in the Hebrew. That means God gets such a kick when he looks at you, when he looks at me. He's in heaven spinning about under the influence of a violent emotion. God is in love with us. Yeah. But he is also committed to me. He's committed to me even when I'm not committed to him. And so if that's how the father in heaven is, that's how I need to be in my relationships with my wife, with my daughter, with my friends, with, you know, the ones that I get to impact. And then hopefully from there into the community. But because we've had a lack of that many times, we have a generation of, of orphans that, you know, they may be wonderful people, but they don't know what it is to be father. And so if somebody comes along to love them and affirm them, but then also to adjust them, to challenge them, then people want the affirmation, but they don't want the correction. And so with fathering, in fact, what does scripture say? (laughs) If we are not corrected, we're not actually sons. We're illegitimate children. God disciplines those he loves. Exactly. Yeah. And there's, Boy, you cracked open a big topic there in the whole emotional feeling kind of thing because, you know, we do live in that culture where everything's feeling based. And I believe that's why divorce is so rampant. Right. Because, you know, once the feeling wears off and it's not about me anymore, it's not about how I feel. I'm only going to live so long. So I better I better get out of this situation versus what you're saying, that the the steadfastness of love, you know, love. It, here, here's a powerful thing. I want to write about this because uh, it goes along with the uh, the five star charge. The word affection. Yeah. So it, it was. Um, oh my mind is Isaac. Isaac and was it Rebecca when he yeah. uh, she? So I love the phrase. <clears throat> so they went and found Rebecca. They bring her back. They bring her back to meet Isaac. He goes into the, his mother's tent. They consummate the marriage. He's never met her. He goes and consummates the marriage with her. And then they, and it says, and he loved her. So like all, he did all the hard work, like of loving her. I don't know. I just think it's a pretty powerful image of, they didn't have all the feelings and emotions. Somebody else chose who they're going to be with. And they, but you have to choose to love a person, you know, you have to choose to be there. And so I can't imagine really the pain or even the, the, the way your life is shaped when you don't have a father. So what are, what's the role of like fathers, the church. I really like how you said God created a family before he created the church. That's yeah. a really powerful statement. So God creates a family and this family is supposed to be raising up sons and daughters. So let's talk about that for a moment, like fathering and the great commission, like the role of this God's family and the great commission. Like how can the church be an asset to the world? In that arena. Um, I think there's several things uh, we could potentially uh, hit on for me. And I'm going to start this on a personal level. Uh, My dad found the Lord when he was young, but he was raised more in religion. 
It was more about rules than it was about relationship. And so there was not an intimacy with the Father God. It was more serving God out of fear of punishment. And we don't want our sons and daughters being obedient because they're afraid of us. Now, we do understand there's a healthy fear of the Lord. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's a whole topic in itself. <laughs> yes. But we want, we want our children to uh, be obedient because they love us. They want to please us. That's how God wants us to live. There's a healthy fear of the Lord, the respect and understanding that God can destroy body and soul in hell, not that he chooses to, desires to, but we, if we choose to rebel. But God wants us to serve him out of love. We love him because he first loved us. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Um, but my dad did not have that, that depth of relationship and uh, didn't have a good relationship with his father. My dad ran from a call of God on his life, uh, went into the military and ended up um, with mental illness. Three nervous breakdowns, mental illness. And he medicated his uh, paranoid schizophrenia he medicated it with alcohol. And so from the time I was about eight years old to 13 years old, wow. uh, nearly every night dad was drunk and violent. And so that was the family I grew up in. So I had I had a father, but it was um, when he was not drunk and when he was not in his uh, sick mind, he was a loving man, loved his family, loved God. But the illness and the alcohol so uh, twisted that. And so I grew up with uh, fear, with anger, with um, separation, with a lot of other things in that. And honestly, I can tell you, Brian, I'm 58 now. It wasn't until I was about 45 years old, 13 years ago, that I really began to discover the father heart of God for me. I've been, I've been preaching since I was 15 years old, uh, full time since I was 23 years old. And, and many times I would minister and have my identity and value wrapped up in a gift, the ability to preach or prophesy or pray for the sick or lead somebody to Jesus or do big crusades in India or plant churches, help plant churches in, in the underground church in China, whatever it was. And I would, I would take value out of what I did. But in 2008, without a long story, several things crumbled in our life and God had to bring me back to the basics and that was, he said, Russ, your value is not your ministry. It's not the anointing. Your value is that you're my son. And it began a really amazing journey, Brian, in my life to discover value as a son. And as I began to learn what it meant to be a son to my heavenly father, now my natural father, God did some healing in our family. He passed away, I think it's about 14 years ago now. He's with the Lord. He, he, he gave his life back to the Lord. God did a measure of healing in my family. But over these last 13 years, I've really been pursuing more than preaching and prophesying and all that, which I love, what it means to express the Father heart of God. In fact, before we minister to church anymore, we pray, God, what is your heart for this, this people? So we don't want to stand in front of a congregation because of a gift or, or a, a, even a calling, yeah. but because of the heart of God. So, Father, reveal your heart to me. One thing I've been learning about this in evangelism, because as I, when I was 15 years old, I started as a street evangelist. So I'd be on the street corner carrying a 10-foot cross. I'd be at Mardi Gras uh, uh, in, in New Orleans, preaching on the streets, New York, Chicago, yeah. L.A., you know, doing all this kind of stuff. And many times I would just use, you know, the fear of hell, um, the, the darkness of sin 
to try to get people saved. And, and it's not that people don't respond to that. Some do. But over the years, I've been learning that people that don't know Christ are orphaned. They are not sons and daughters. You know, uh, culture will tell us, oh, we're all children of God. Right. But biblically, that's not correct. We're all creations of God, right. but only Jesus gives us the power to become sons and daughters of God. Yeah. So it's only through Jesus we actually come into relationship with the Father. So the, the role of the Father, I think, in evangelism is how can we express fathering love and value for people even when they're away from God? See, I used to argue with people to get them to say a salvation prayer. But what I learned is this. They have a God-given right as human right. beings to believe whatever they want to believe. Yeah, absolutely. And if they believe the wrong thing, if they believe sin, they believe deception, they have a God-given right to believe that way. I don't have the right to come and take away their right to believe the wrong thing. Absolutely. But what I can do is come along with a heart of Father God and say, come on, let's talk. Let's get to know one another. So they're not they're not just an assignment. They're not just a notch on my evangelistic belt, but they're people that I hopefully can see through God's, the Father's um, eyes. So, you know, you know our ministry, a lot of it's in the what's called the prophetic. But I, to me, the prophetic revelation is not being able to tell people their address or what they ate for dinner yesterday. That's fine. God will do that sometimes. But more than that, I think God wants to show us the way he looks at people. When I see when I see somebody out on the street, when I'm you know uh, at, at a restaurant, a gas station, I see a, a homeless person uh, begging for money. I, I say, Father, what do you feel about them? What do you? What is your purpose for them? And and so if I can reach somebody for Christ, it's not by just telling them you're going to hell. Look, the reality of hell's there. I don't take that away, right. but it's of speaking to their God-given destiny that the Father called them to, and they have lost. And so I say, you know, I think the father role can speak into the lives of, of lost people that way, but also to our nation. Brian, our nation is lost. Our nation is wandering. We're in turmoil. We're in fear. We're in violence. We, we are disintegrating. We are always, it, it's going to take a fathering revelation of who God is of, some, of men to arise in every sphere of our culture to be able to speak truth in love so our, our nation will rediscover its God-ordained identity. America has lost its God-ordained identity. It's going yeah. to take fathers to bring back our, our God-ordained identity as a nation. Yeah, I agree. And, it, you know, and even right now with everything that's been going on our, in our country or the whole world, it's exposing the foundations of the church. Yeah. It, because, I mean, hey, you know, I love the spectrum is all over the place. I'm not going to say you have to be here or there. I'm just saying we're, we do need to be on point with the mission of making disciples. And yeah, um, looking through a camera like I'm doing right now isn't making disciples. Mm. Um, I'm sorry. You know, it's a, I can convey a message. I can resource you. Yeah. But this is not how I would make a disciple necessarily, you know. Um, and discipleship is actually the, the ancient understanding of it is actually fathering. Yeah. You actually hoard your life. Like those 12 disciples Christ had were actually lived with them. I mean, those guys were together all the time, night and day. They traveled together. Um, it was that Jesus modeled fathering. I was asked once in a training I was in a, a 
seminar or whatever, you know, is it wrong to worship Jesus? And, you know, obviously the answer is no, it's not wrong because he's the Lord of the kingdom. Yeah. But the guy was making a point saying, well, who did Jesus, who did Jesus worship? Yeah. Jesus, let's pay attention to what he modeled. He, he, Jesus was, is restoring us to the father. He's yeah. father focused, you know, and, and you've done a really great job of kind of talking and unfolding how God's heart has, is, is set as a father. And he models, I love that about God. He always models at first and then he asks us yeah. to follow, Exactly. <laughs> you know, so um, I guess I, I think a good kind of closing thought process here, and we can take a little time on this, but sure. is kind of like this concept of the, 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 I feel like the church has missed it in the area of, and I'm not saying all programs are bad. I've been through some church programs that really helped my life, but we've missed it in the area of we're traded programs for, for fathering and mothering. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of call fathering and mothering the lost art of, of the church. It's like, a, it's like an lost art. You know, there's, there's something we need yeah. to give back to re, rebuilding these ancient runes of, of fathering and mothering. So let you let, I want to talk about that. The, the concept of the church, um, the fathers, the, the great commission, um, how can, what, what have you seen? What would you say to the church in, in areas of bringing healing to this or getting us back on track? Um, Malachi chapter four, God says this before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes before the Lord returns, which is great for the children of God. It is a terrible day of darkness for those who've rejected Christ and uh, the plagues, the tribulation that will come on the world. It says before that happens, God's going to send Elijah. That is a prophetic anointing. But that Elijah's anointing was to turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. I love the story of Elijah. From the time I was 17 years old and, and uh, I, you know, first began preaching in churches at 16, 17 years old, I love the story of Elijah. And typically I'd focus on Elijah, Mount Carmel, calling down fire, destroying and killing the false prophets of yeah. the sword, all of that. But then as I began to look into the life of Elijah, Elijah confronted Ahab and Jezebel. He confronted an idolatrous system. There, was, there were miracles. There, were, there was repentance of a nation, but um, Ahab and, and Jezebel were not dethroned. They stayed in control of the nation, and the nation ended up back in idolatry. I think much of the way we've done church has been so focused on the excitement of the moment, the miracle of the moment, the prophetic word of the moment, that Elijah understood something, and he poured himself into a spiritual son named Elisha. Yeah. Elisha arose and he surpassed Elijah's anointing. What we want to see our natural and our spiritual sons and daughters to do is to surpass our anointing within the church. I think one of the reasons we've had a lack of fathers is because those of us in ministry, if we're not careful, if we're insecure, if we are not healed, you're talking about healing in the church. If the leaders are unhealed, then we're going to raise up sons and daughters who are unhealed. So if my son or my daughter, spiritually or naturally, begins to surpass me, I mean, you know, we see it in the natural when a son can finally beat his dad in yeah. basketball or, or, you know, arm wrestling or whatever it is, um, you know, it, that, that marks a certain day. And there are some fathers, they can't handle that. They always have to be up, you know, one-upping. And we see that in the church when we have ministers and leaders that 
they will raise people up to a certain degree. But once the son or daughter starts surpassing them in gifting and anointing and ability in the size of their ministry, the influence, the money, then the fathers and mothers sometimes hold them down, push them down. And so I think that's one of the areas. So where's healing come? I believe those of us that are already, not just because of physical age, 58, but by the call of God, those of us called to be fathers and mothers, we need to get healed. And so I think we need to have fathers and mothers in our life. I'm not going around. When I was young, Brian, young in in ministry, anytime I preached for a pastor that had even a little bit of a father's heart, I'd end up pouring my heart out. I'd be, you know, boohooing over my past and and all this other stuff because I wanted I was unhealed. I wanted a father, but I was I was unhealthy because I was exposing my heart and giving my heart to people that didn't have my heart at interest. But when I began going after the Father in heaven, God put natural or God put spiritual fathers in my life and mothers that brought healing. To the wounded. Oh, I lost Russ here. We're going to back in in a moment, but yeah, he is actually put pointing out the whole concept of Malachi. It was prophesying that there's going to come a time when fathers will turn their hearts to the sons and daughters. And that's actually something I was going to bring up. It's kind of wild that. Um, he just text messaged me, said his battery died. So hopefully we'll get him back here. But uh, Russ was touching on something very powerful. It was already on my heart. And it's the concept of turning your hearts that the, the scripture says that the, the hearts of the father will turn to the children and the hearts of the children will turn to the father. It doesn't mean anything about it doesn't mean anything about um, or it doesn't say anything about a mother having to turn her heart because a mother's heart's already turned to the children from the time they're born. And that's kind of like one of the things like, but when a father turns his heart to the children, this is what the family that we're talking about. This is what the church has to do is we have to turn our hearts. So I believe discipleship is the answer. Making disciples, the great commission of making disciples is the answer. So I've got to use my dining room table, right? My backyard barbecue, my, my, my fire pits, all that kind of stuff. I've got to, I've got to actually use the stuff God's given me to invite people into this place. Russ did a good job at pointing out how people chase the momentary stuff. And I see far too much of that in our, in my, I'm not saying in my church necessarily, but in the church culture at large, People are chasing moments. They're chasing miracles. And I stop those people sometimes. I go, hey, who are you discipling? They're, they're like deer in headlights. Uh, I don't know. Now, I'm not trying to pick on the church because this has been something that's been broken for a long time. But as a believer, as a father, I I had to do something. I'm going to share, share this real quick. You've probably heard me talk about this before. I'm very passionate about this. But I had to actually learn when I was 17, 18, 19, I read in the scriptures, Proverbs 24, with wise counsel, you can wage your war. And I, I was like, man, I got to have some fathers. I've got to have some counsel in my life. And I just kind of had this thing built in me. I just built a council of three to five people have been doing it my whole life. And then over the last couple of decades, so those people have changed here and there, but I've always had a wise council of people that I could run 
big lifetime, big decisions by um, even prophetic words, things like that. Hey, what do you think about this? Give me some insight. Give me some some feedback. And it's always been um, something that's very has been so powerful for me to steer my life, but to keep me in my assignments too. Because when you have a, a war council, if you will, that's kind of helps you seal a decision. When all hell breaks out and you're wanting to quit that assignment, you go back to those those uh, people. You go back. To, you remember that, like, oh no, this was from God. I know I heard from God, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick it out. This is a good war to fight. This is a good battle to fight. But men, we want to encourage you to engage the battle of fathering. I had to identify spiritual fathers. I have four or five of them in my life right now. They don't call me every day. I don't call them every day. It's not, it's not like that. Uh, they all, most all of them live away, but I stay strategically in front of them. I keep them in front of me. We have deep, powerful relationships, but I had to identify them. And I just want to give some coaching here because a spirit, if a man comes up to you and says, or an older guy or whatever, and he's like, I want to be your spiritual father. That's a little creepy, right? It's just a little creepy. No one talks that way. It, it probably throw your guards up. Like, Dude, you're, you're weird. So it's, I think it's important for the sons to identify the fathers. It's important for the sons to, like me, to this, the, the guys I say, hey, you're like a spiritual father to me. Um, that's, big, that's me saying, hey, I, that's a big, you're a pretty big, big deal in my world. And your voice, so this is what I love, their voice releases affirmation. Their voice helps steer things. Spiritual fathers of my life see things on the assignment of my life and they speak into it and they help me, they help propel me in the right direction or keep me on track. It's very powerful. So I identified my spiritual fathers and it's important for us to do that. It gives them a place of honor and it gives them, um, it allows their voice to be used. Now, I say that every believer needs to engage making disciples. Okay. And as I close this, we have a very powerful thing in our culture called the five star charge. You can go on our website. You can read about it. I'm getting ready to write more and more resources about the five star charge. I'm getting excited about it, about even just building it out, writing a book, two books, whatever, writing resources and just keeping this charge amped up and and electrified in our lives. So if you want to grow in fathering, you want to grow in, in affirming your children, allowing your voice to speak in a powerful way, engage the five-star charge because it's all about honoring God. It's all about living with affection to your, with your children, your loved ones, even your enemies. It's all about walking in the liberty of Christ. It's about being a man of war, a man who goes after the heart and the presence of God, and then living out a life of valor. It's a powerful thing. Thank you for being with us today. It's been an honor. Uh, until next time, live upright.